Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, I'm Mayhem. Hello, I'm Chaos. And our happiness is egg chase. Happiness is egg-shaped and loves a circle with no end. No, 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 Happiness is egg-shaped and loves a circle with no end. Hello and welcome to the Happiness Is podcast with me, your host Bruce Aitchison from Happiness is Egg Shape. Today I'm joined by somebody who, believe it or not, I taught at school many, many moons ago and I've watched his journey uh, from afar. We've bumped into each other a few times and we keep in touch and I was absolutely delighted when he said yes to come and speak to me on the podcast. He's from that town of Hoyk that has brought us so, so much for rugby and he's now back there putting back in to something that he got so many rewards from. I'm really excited to speak to him. I've known his old man for a long, long time. He was a referee that I had a lot of respect for, and still he does me some favours that we might get into when we talk. You might know his brother, but that's not why we're here. We're here to talk about him and his journey, and I'm delighted that Graham Hogg has chosen to join us. Hello there. Good morning, Bruce. How are we? Yeah, very, very good. Great to see you. And uh, you're back in the grey old Tunahoik. Yeah, I'm back. So, yeah, you're joining me from uh, the kitchen. We've just literally moved into a new house in Hoik uh, over the last couple of months. So, yeah, I've been back. I've uh, been back here three, four months now and, yeah, loving it. Fresh air, so much better down here. <laughs> I do a hike and all that jazz. Yeah. So what's what's it like being back? Are you excited by the new challenge? Tell us about your job. Yeah, absolutely loving it, Bruce. Basically, the opportunity came up uh, a few months ago to get back into development, uh, to get back into rugby development with with the Hike Club. Uh, and I didn't, yeah, I didn't need to think about it for too long. To be fair, it's it's always a job that uh, I've really looked 
really looked and wanted to do. Uh, I've obviously I've, I've done development roles elsewhere, and um, without any disrespect to the other clubs and, and places I've been throughout the country, this this was the one that I really wanted uh, because obviously it's the one that I grew up with. Uh, Hoyks, obviously, we don't need to go into the history of the rugby that's that's in the town, but. I think probably for, for too long we've relied on that history uh, and now it was time for, for me to bring in some new ideas and, and change it up and make sure we can get back uh, to the top of the game in, in Scottish rugby. So the, the Hoyt Club, you're saying we didn't get into the history, but you you were ball boy, you played all the way through you know the age groups at Hoyt and at the school. Who did you look at and think, I, I can't wait to be like them? Oh, it's quite a few back in the day, Bruce, wasn't it? it was, we were quite lucky even before sort of ball boying days when when my old man, uh, when dad was referee and he used to go down quite a lot and even he even did some training. Uh, we used to jump in and do some training and stuff there as well. You look at guys like Roddy Deans was somebody I always looked up to, although a completely different position, uh, just his sort of work ethic and and what he'd done round about the town, and obviously with this job role as well, uh, was, was someone I looked up to. Sort of backwise, you obviously look at Nicky Walker, yeah, you had your Stephen Cranston's, probably guys who are not as well known sort of throughout Scottish rugby now, but Stephen Cranston was somebody who who had a big impact, both when he played for me and he'd, he'd done a little bit of coaching for a, for a year or two as well, who was, who was real good to me. Yeah, and you're standing on the shoulders of a lot of great men. Your old man uh, was somebody I always I loved when Hoggy was refereeing because he had a little bit of crack. He would tell me to shut up quite a lot, but he was always one of those approachable guys. What was it like having a dad that was a referee? Yeah, to be fair, Bruce, it probably helped myself and Stuart more than we probably let on every weekend. Sometimes during the week we would we would get bundled into the car at eight nine o'clock in the morning and be away to. I remember Dundee, Aberdeen, some places in the early days that I never even knew to play rugby in these towns and, and stuff like that. And yeah, it was just we were always immersed in it. Uh, we'd always even before sort of we we were both professional players. We were watching game after game of rugby because he was sort of at the peak of his career then and, and obviously doing a lot. So. Between that uh, and probably taking a rugby ball from every single club that is in Scottish rugby, <laughs> uh, it, had, it had a big influence. To be fair, yeah, we my mum used to when we used to come back, obviously covered in mud and and everything. We, we'd have another ball with the initials of the the town that it was on. So yeah, the the garden at Hernhill Bank was was full of a lot of rugby balls over those years. <laughs> and growing up on a touchline. Like it, it's where you kick off both feet. It's where you pass and you tackle. And did you realise that that was helping you become the player you did? Probably you just having fun back then, Bruce, weren't we? That that was some of the the best memories, and it's something I try and relay back to to the kids now. That yeah, we're we're working on it. We're working on skills. Your bad hand. Your your bad foot. I just want boys to go out there and have fun. Boys and girls, sorry, to go out there and have fun and enjoy playing. Now, some of my best games at Mansfield have been played on the hill. <laughs> some of the times that I was back there, they're some of my best ones. Uh, and, and as I say, that that's something when I came into the new role is is really about relaying that back that we we are 
it's a privilege to play rugby. It's a privilege to play rugby in in the town of Hoyk, uh, and I want everybody to to make sure they enjoy that. I love it. I absolutely love it. The the development role you're in, you have to organise things, and you spend time in admin, and you're trying to upskill coaches, and you're you know there's a huge amount to the role, but there you've just described the learning that can happen without Graham Hogg standing over with a whistle and a, and a session plan. How are you finding encouraging kids to just play for the sake of playing? I think when when we came in, I came in with that attitude straight away. We'd obviously we'd came off the back of of the pandemic, so it was a completely fresh start. It wasn't obviously Rocky Johnston who held the job before; had, had done it for a long time and, and done a great job. But it was like obviously a brand new slate, not just with me coming in, but the fact that that pandemic was there as well. So the sessions that we done when we first got them back was was just about fun and enjoyment there was no this is how we pass off your bad hand it was just games 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 and that's something that through my coaching i want to progress more with in terms of the fun through playing games and, and little things like that and it obviously worked because with some age groups would maybe have 12 13 14 sort of boys uh, just because people were obviously a little bit skeptical of getting back into it uh, and now we're up over 20-odd for, for every age group that we've got, and sometimes above, uh, we're, we're talking 30-odd. So what we're doing is obviously working. It's just about having smiles on faces, getting boys and, and everybody coaches enjoying it, uh, and, and that's the thing. And then, obviously, if we get them enjoying it, we get them on side, then we can start working on, the, the obviously, the, the little bits to, to their trade to, to make them that better rugby player. When you grew up in Hoyk, a lot of what you did was by torchlight and headlamps of cars. You've now got a fabulous facility there, floodlights, you know, the AstroTurf surface. And kids probably need that now because there's more competition for their time and their attention. When you grew up, you would have probably played in the park or in the street with you know, you've got a, a younger brother, you, there would have been older kids there, there would have been your mates. Are you finding there's, the kids are still playing away from when they're under your nose? I, th I think before I came into the role, and you'll have heard, everybody will have, have heard that, that, that kids are, all they do now is they're on their their Playstations or, or whatever, their, their laptops or or whatever. But the thing that I've noticed, especially being back here driving about, is you still get all the groups of kids who the boy at the back will be bouncing a rugby ball or you'll see it, you'll be driving past the park and a high ball will go up. And it is there. I think we just need to, as I say, if we're doing our job on task and time on task with when we have them, if we're relaying the good news stories and get everybody enjoying it, then that's gonna it's gonna be infectious. They're they're gonna want to go out and play with their mates, and and I have seen that. It's a big thing. Obviously, we don't know what the future holds over over the next couple of weeks, eh, pandemic wise and such like. But we've made sure that every single player who plays rugby within the town's got a rugby ball, eh, and we've just made. Sure, I know that sounds like a a little thing, but we've made sure that every single person's gonna have a ball. And we are going to be doing stuff with them, even if we can't take sessions. We're going to be doing stuff with them to make sure they've still got that opportunity to, to play the game that they've obviously started to love again over the last few months. 
Absolutely class. Love that, Hoggy. Absolutely love that. That is so, so good to hear. So refreshing to hear. You're now you're you're sort of starting to to build the numbers. Uh are you having a look over the fence at Mansfield at, at what the senior boys are doing? Yeah, I'm quite lucky. Uh I've obviously got a good relationship with Matty Douglas, uh, Mantle Andal. So I've actually been going in there most weeks uh, on a Thursday night and just doing some back stuff with uh, with Matty as well, just to sort of help out, which is which has been brilliant, and and obviously that's helped within the town this year as well. The good news stories that are coming out of Mansfield are back to, yeah, we're back to winning ways, and it's not just necessarily winning at Mansfield. It's it's the way that the the boys are playing. Uh, it's the way that obviously the you've been long uh, around long enough, Bruce, to know that especially a Mansfield Park crowd. Uh, <laughs> They can get on your back at some points, but they'll definitely follow you to the hilt when when they can see that there's a team really trying and, and really working hard. And we've got a group of coaches and a group of boys just now who are really doing that. Uh, and it, as I say, it's it's making my job in development that little bit easier as well when when there's good stuff coming out uh, uh, down Mansfield Road every single week just now. Yeah, uh, it's it's good to see some smiles on faces. Even Pundy Thorburn looks happy, which is a which is a challenge. When you're when you're planning ahead, are you looking at kids and thinking this this one's this one's pretty special? Have you got some kids around that you're thinking they've got a really bright future? Yeah, we have. We have. We've certainly got different boys at different age groups who are at different stages in their career. That some of them, we think. Yeah, I want to keep a hold of you for the next few years and we'll see where we can go. But probably on past experience as well, Bruce, that I don't want to put too much pressure on these boys too early. Uh, I think that's probably something that's came out the last few years that your top players are maybe 15, 16, 17 year old. By the time they're 22, 23, they're, they're a little bit tired of the game. So we just want them again. I'm going to keep going back to it and always will that we enjoy it first. We make sure we're putting the skills into them. They're working hard. We know exactly where they're going, but we don't lose that element of just letting them be and letting them have fun. And then what happens, happens the further we go down the line. As I say, I was I was probably one of those boys. I was lucky enough at the time to obviously, I was 16 when I played my first game for Hoik. Obviously, that wouldn't be allowed to happen now. But yeah, the longer you sort of go in early 20s, I was pretty fatigued looking back on it now and that probably I probably fell off rugby a little bit uh, and I, I don't want that to happen to, to some of the, the kids that we've got coming through just now yeah I, I could just I could sense a, a bit of experience coming through there so you know looking back at I think I first met you when you would have been about 14 maybe maybe even younger and you were part of this little purple patch of players that you could just see if they could move through as a group and the, the places we are from in the borders, you don't have a massive pool of players. So you want to see these teams progress and you're thinking, right, in five years' time, we'll have all the best of them. And then those that are two years older. No. That that group of players, a lot of them played for Hoyk and, and some went on and, like yourself, went away and, and did other things in the game away from Mansfield. When when you look back at that, can you see lessons to learn for the role you're in now? Massively, massively, and that you're you're probably right. I have obviously spoke to a lot of people who who have came with the same sort of thought process, but yeah, you always go on, on personal experience, don't you? And 
and we did have a group growing up that yeah we we won everything we we did win everything and as I say I played my first game for Hoyk when I was 16 probably had another I had two years left at semi-junior rugby uh, again the, the experience stuff for that is I would probably have stayed and enjoyed my rugby for those two years more and then obviously a lot of the boys who were my age group left a year early as well so they sort of came the year after me but that's when we really started to struggle at Mansfield. Uh, I think we were, yeah, we were. We got relegated a couple of seasons after. A very good group at, at youth rugby, but we just couldn't take that through to, to obviously the, the struggles that you get in, in obviously full full men's rugby at Premier One at the time. So yeah, there, there is massive lessons, and it, as I say, it's something that. I want to make sure it doesn't happen again. And obviously the club and the junior clubs round about Hoyk just now, we're all, we're all working together uh, to make sure that we do the best for Hoyk rugby, the best for everybody, whether it's a youth, whether it's a Lindeen. Hopefully we'll have Hoyk Harlequins back uh, for the start of next season, which is, which is a big thing. The Harlequins yeah. is, is the first junior team I played for. Uh, yeah, and I've, I've had some good times at, at Baker Street, so... Uh, we certainly want to make sure that, that they come back uh, for next season. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I've had some good times at Baker Street as well. I, I love Hoyk rugby. I love, you know, it's sad that when you were growing up, I think, and when I was growing up, we bit longer in the tooth than you, you know, the trades, the YM, the Lindeen, the Quins, you know, they were... They all contributed to the the goodness that was at the top at uh, Hoyk Rugby, and and lots of good people involved. How how important is it? You're saying you've, you're all now working together. How important is your role in that? Getting everybody's noses pointing in the same direction. Yeah, I think that's this has probably been brought in more into my role since I've started over than than what's happened in the past because. The clubs in the town, especially obviously Hoyk, who, who I'm employed by, know how important it is to get that retention uh, with boys and, and everybody going in the right direction. So already, as soon as I came in, I was looking at boys who who would be making that step up to senior rugby next year. Now we are, you can look at it from two sides, we've got maybe 17, 18 boys who are moving from, from youth rugby up into senior rugby next year. And it's really important that that we keep the majority of those boys playing, uh, whether it is just for social rugby at the Lindeen or the Quins, or whether these boys, some of these boys want to go into to bigger things at Mansfield. We need them all. We need all players, uh, as we've already spoken about. So, yeah, it's, it is a really important part of the role now uh, and something that it's quite exciting because it probably hasn't really happened in Hoyt rugby before in terms of making sure that, that we all go in, in the same direction. So... The challenges are there, uh, but yeah, it'll be good. Looking forward to it. For the last six years, Fill Your Boots has been making rugby happen at the grassroots level. Please get involved and go to www.fybrugby.com to register your club or to register as a player and join the online community to make sure that games continue to happen in the future. Join in clubs with players and players with clubs to make sure that we can keep the club game as strong as possible. Fill your boots, bring in rugby together. It's 
good for the town, isn't it? Having people engaged and you know feeling a sense of belonging. Um, there's you know the the world's changed and and Hoyk as a town has changed. Have you found it difficult to engage with uh, kids or or people coming into town who are not maybe from Hoyk and able to say you know they're they're further played and you know refereed and their mum was involved? Have you found that challenging? Honestly, call Bruce. No, uh, I haven't really found it uh, bad because we started off on a real good footing, as I say, just with that clean slate and just getting the the good news stories out there. Social media, obviously, these days it's got a massive part to play in that. We we started up uh, the futures green pages uh, yeah. on on Twitter and on on Instagram, and yeah, I think our following and stuff doubled on that just by getting as much stuff out there as you could, as much good news stories as you could. And as I say, we're speaking about being long in the tooth. I kind of feel like that for social media now, but it, it certainly works. Uh, and we get a lot of good feedback about that uh, from parents and, and such like as well. So it certainly helps. Uh, so yeah, no, it's the, the feedback from, from everywhere so far has, has been really good. It's just about sustaining that and making sure we keep getting better over the next few years. Yeah, brilliant. Having having that pride and that sense of belonging to me is so important in a in a place like Hoyt. Now you've got, you know, there's there's people who are within touching distance. One of the great things about towns that have rugby, you know, you can walk along the street and bump into Graham Hogg. You can also walk along the street and bump into Jim Rennick, who some of your kids might not know who he is, but British Lion, best player in the world at, at his time at, at number thirteen. You know, Nicky Walker's around, Scotty McLeod's around. There, there are people who have done and are still doing great things in the game, and they're just normal folk who are engaged in the town. You've then got Darcy Graham and, and your brother who are, you know, at the peak of their powers in the professional game at the moment. How has Lisa Thompson contributed to that? You know, the, the town's now got a really strong female role model, an Olympian. How have you seen the growth in the girls' game? Yeah, they're, they're, I would say Lisa and Lana Skeldon, obviously, as well, doing great things for, for Scotland. They 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 make they make my job in terms of going into the schools, especially the girls' side of things, a lot easier as well. Now, how many times can we say at this current time we've got five rugby playing at the top level, five rugby internationals, Two girls and obviously Lisa being the Olympian. Uh, it's something that, that I've been really keen to start up since I've got into Hoik. We've never had, or for a, a number of years, I think my mum was one of the last ones to actually play in a in a Hoik team. Uh, we haven't really had the we haven't had a, a female side of things. And I think for a club of or a town our size not to have that is, is a little bit criminal, if I'm perfectly honest. So we've been working pretty hard with the school over the last few months. I've managed to get in and, and take the girls' stuff, sort of curriculum time within school. And actually, towards the end of January, we are starting up uh, an S1, S2 team uh, because we have had that outpouring of, of girls wanting to be involved. And, and Lisa and Lana have been obviously paramount to that. They can see, again, going back to the social media side of things, they can see these girls playing at the top of their game and, and they want a piece of that as well. Brilliant. So, so good. And it's, again, it's just good for the town. Now, you, you've been away. You've wandered and you've, you've come back. 
what have you what have you seen that you thought we need some of that in Hoyk? Yeah, when I actually when we had the conversation before we came on air, I've been to quite a few clubs, haven't I? <laughs> I've, been I've been lucky enough, obviously, being out with out with Scotland. Uh, I loved my time in Italy. The obviously the close knit sort of team culture and stuff that's in Italy in terms of obviously they're, they're real passionate people, the Italians, and and that was something that, that I really wanted to bring back in terms of the how connected they were from under fives rugby all the way up to the senior rugby. Everybody knew everybody, and I know sometimes that's not a great thing, but everybody just had that, obviously, that close-knit community, uh, and that was something that, that I really wanted to bring back to then going in and working at a sort of a franchise in London uh, with G-Force and obviously having uh, some really good coaches uh, down there. That that sort of brought the technical side of things in that I really want to work on. Uh, if you had any of the, the players who are sort of working under me just now, that quite a stickler for a skill set. I, I love uh, them being able to catch and pass and, as I say, all through games and making sure you have fun, but there's a time where, yeah, I really want to make sure that the player skill sets are at the top as they can be. And that's something that I learned from, from obviously being in London with that side of things. So I'm pretty sure I could pick out good points and bad points from from every club that I've been at. Uh, but those are the ones that, that, that really stick out. How, how does a boy for a hoik end up playing rugby in Italy? No idea, mate. No idea. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it was quite... I'd, I'd finished playing, I, I think I'd finished sort of playing full-time 2012 in Scotland with the, the sort of my contract was up up here. And I was actually out in Australia 2013 uh, watching Stuart with the Lions uh, and a guy, a family friend sort of got in touch asking if I knew anybody who would be interested in a, in a contract in Italy. So it didn't take me too long to ask what position they'd be looking for. And they weren't sure, but I was that position anyway, so I was going. Uh, uh, number eight. Yeah, I would have played anywhere out there. And it was, uh, yeah, it was probably probably what I needed at the time. Uh, I think we're going to go into, obviously, the, the mental health stuff later on. But it was something that, that massively helped me in terms of being a more rounded person. I think leading up to that time, all I knew was rugby. That's all I knew, and I think I needed to get out there and, and just get life experience, uh, which which definitely helped. But yeah, it was it was a great time out there. Absolutely loved it. So all all work and no play, all all rugby and 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 nothing else. There's there are people who feel like that's the only. I've got to concentrate on that. I have to do that to achieve. Again, back to your experience. Are you now looking at at what you've gone through? And you're able to see maybe a broader picture. Absolutely, absolutely. We see, we hear this phrase now a lot: uh, cross sports. You know, I'm quite big on that. A lot of people, sort of back back in the day, I do sound old when I say that, don't I? Back in the day, basically, you would have to choose. It was either rugby or your football or or your golf or or tennis or whatever it is. Whereas now, I try and get kids to play as many sports as we can. We can. We can't cradle them. We can't keep them. If kids want to go play other sports, they're going to go play other sports. But that can help us. Uh, some of our best players just now have had a, a sort of a boxing background or a, a tennis background, and 
as I say, I, I'm all for that. I want them to go out and experience as many opportunities as they can uh, to make sure when they do, if we if we are getting the if the product that we are giving them at the rugby club is is good enough, they'll come back and then they'll be a better person for it because they'll have had these different experiences elsewhere. So when you say product, you you've mentioned things like you want them to catch and pass, and you want them to have a skill set, and you want them to have fun. What what other skills? Sometimes called life skills, which I'm never a, a big fan of. But let's give it that label just now. What sort of life skills are you able to work on with these kids from the primary school level all the way through to the the kids you're looking at transitioning into senior rugby? What sort of life skills are you focusing on, or are you aware of? Yeah. As you say, the, the life skill phrase sort of comes under the same word I'm going to use here in terms of culture. Culture is a big one that sort of goes along with that. And it's it's sort of bringing or, or enhancing the, the, the work that the parents do uh, for the kids in terms of, you know, obviously your big ones, your respect, your timekeeping, your... You're everything that goes along with that, making sure that just little things after the game, that the sheds are clean, making sure that if we speak to our referee, it's yes or no, sir. It's it's just little things to make sure that when they're growing up and when we're going through the, the skills that we are learning on the field, they're taken back into school, they're taken back into their groups just to make the community a better place. And obviously I've not been in the job a massive amount of time, but I think the boys will, the boys will know that they're, or they'll tell you that there's two things I always say. The first thing is at the end, of whenever I talk to them, what are the two things I'm looking for? The big one is smiles on faces, and the second one is make sure we enjoy it and we respect each other. Uh, so that they are, as I say, two things that, that are massively important. So it's just, as I say, going back to the stuff, it's, it's making them all round, making them just be just be better people. Uh, for what we want so whether they go into business whether they stick in with rugby whether they do whatever they've got that stuff ready for them at whatever their whatever their life goes next and your your pathway the game was was kind of changing i suppose and when you were leaving school you knew that professional rugby was a thing you could do it wasn't the professional rugby we've got now um but it it was an option as a job and you ended up getting into the sevens circuit and and being part of that what what was that like because to me as a you're talking about culture and environment and broadening your horizons but sometimes when i speak to sevens players they went from airport to hotel to training field to hotel to fixture to a beer after the sevens and then back on the plane again were you able to enjoy the experience uh, i think yeah, I think everybody you speak to will say that we'd enjoy it, but some of what you've said there is basically fact. Uh, obviously, it was you were in a professional environment, you were there to do a job. Uh, you would would literally go away for what maybe two two and a half weeks at a time. Uh, you'd spend a week in one place, and you'd maybe get a one day off during the during the week. Now, obviously, when he went, to, uh, I was very fortunate. My first tournament was Hong Kong. Now, as a, as a kid growing up loving rugby, if you can't enjoy running out there for the first time, then then you're in the wrong job. You're most definitely in the wrong job. So, yeah, there, there were tough. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. 
At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Times, as I say, you could be in a hotel room on Hoyk High Street or you could be in Johannesburg. It's, it's exactly the same in a hotel room, but... Yeah, there, there was times where we really massively enjoyed it. And as I say, getting out there and playing in front of those crowds and yeah, it was, was definitely something that I absolutely loved. Come on in. What was it like? 36,000 folk at Hong Kong Stadium playing in front of the South Stand. And you used to, you boys used to love warming up in front of the South Stand. Yeah, that, that, yeah, that, that's probably an experience I will, I will never forget. That is probably the highlight. Uh, now for the first, Probably my first season when I uh, when I was on the seventh circuit, I was a professional water carrier. Uh, but even even then, for the for the first season, I just absolutely loved it. Like in terms of trying to explain what that's like warming up in front of that. Now I can imagine warming up at Murrayfield in front of sixty odd thousands, outstanding. But in front of however many thousand in the south stand, when when the beers have been flowing for the last 24, 48 hours, it's yeah, it's it's something incredible. Sometimes I was unsure whether I wanted to keep warming up or I wanted to dive in between them and just get involved in it. But no, nah, it, it was excellent. It's something that I'll I think some anybody you speak to if they've been fortunate enough to play in that vi- environment, I'll, I'll absolutely love it. When you were growing up, you were involved in Scottish age group teams, so you you met players from you know not just around Scotland but exiles and you know boys that were coming up and had a Scottish granny, all those things. But when you go on a Sivens trip, you're with boys 24-7. It's a really small group. Who did you develop strong relationships with? Uh, quite a few boys, obviously. We, we were lucky enough. We had a, a decent age group squad, as it was. So in that age group, we had, we had guys like Richie Vernon. We had guys like Andrew Eason, Roddy Grant, uh, a boy who had, had spent a lot of time with, obviously, in the hike days with Rory Hutton as well. Uh, we were lucky enough to, to go on uh, quite a few tournaments together. So, no, you, you do get guys like that where where he formed sort of, obviously, good relationships with. Uh, Rody, obviously, being from Gala. Uh, kind of. Kind of from Gala. <laughs> uh, yeah, boys like that. And then he obviously looked at the, the older guys who'd been a lot... Uh, been about a lot longer. Your your Colin Gregors, your your Mikey Adamsons, who who's obviously went on to to do the referee inside of things. That they were guys who, when you were coming into that environment, really looked after you as well. So, nah, really fun memories of of the majority of the time on on the Sevens circuit. I've, I've spoken to a lot of people involved or who have been involved in Sevens and how different that environment is to Fifteens. You know, basic things like there's fewer of you. 
but you're never really playing at home. So you never get to just turn up and then leave again. You know, whether you win or you lose, you've got to go back to the same hotel with the, the winners and the other losers and the coaches. So you, you can develop quite different relationships. What did you take from your relationship with the Sivens coaches that that's helped you in your future? I think in terms of what you're saying, just being able to to adapt to that basically that 24 hour environment, as you mentioned, like and, and being able to deal with you think sometimes you'll have worked with them as well and you'll have worked with coaches for maybe an hour or two and thinking, right, that's enough. I've I've had enough of them. But it's it's being able to adapt and, and being able to, to understand people uh, and, and that everybody's different. Uh, in terms of that environment where you're so close-knit and you can't escape anywhere, uh, you can't go anywhere. I remember some of the hotels it would be in, I think, in Georgia in, in South Africa was one of the big ones. Now, if you turned right out the hotel, you were basically in, in the jungle somewhere, so you couldn't go anywhere. Uh, so it was being able to, to just sort of find out, not necessarily rugby skills stuff, because you were finding that out anyways because you were in that environment, but finding out how people skills and how to deal with with different people. Uh, you had obviously the guys who just want to go away and, and sort of be on their own. You had other guys who needed needed somebody with them a lot of the time. So it was just being able to adapt and, and know obviously everybody's sort of personal skills and, and what they're looking for. Uh, I'm interested in this, but we are going to talk about mental health, but... I, I know you, but I don't know you that well. Um, I first met you as a kid and, you know, the future very, very bright and you went on to do some really good things. When I when I met you further on in life, and I don't know if this is hindsight, but there were times where I spoke to you where I didn't think you were maybe happy or maybe satisfied is the a better word for it. It looked like you were still, and you were probably, you were still striving for, whether it be that Scotland cap or that recognition. When when did you feel your mental health journey began? Uh, I think probably probably during the sevens, Bruce, if we're, if we're completely honest. I know I've spoke uh, quite a lot about it, uh, but there were some times towards the, the latter part of my sevens career where, where I would be playing in front of that however many thousand people and I'd never felt so alone it was when I probably started to think there's something not right here but but you're talking if we're looking as I say mentioned in hindsight you're talking 12 13 years ago now mental health never really existed then to say it didn't exist is, is obviously yeah. not the right terminology but it wasn't as as yeah, out no. there it wasn't as as obviously as big as what it is now so yeah I think that that was a starting a starting point, and then obviously I came back. Uh, I came back, and then uh, I basically done a double ACL injury. I I had done an ACL playing against Harriet uh, for Hoyk, which, which kept me out for for a number of months, and then I basically done it halfway through. I done it again, uh, so that kept me out of the game for a long time, but. Instead of striving to get back and, and really looking to play, there was just a massive fear then uh, that that I wasn't going to be the same player as I was or, or there was stuff there. And, and I'd done probably everything that he could to 
to hamper my what's the word I'm looking for to hamper the, the sort of my, my way and getting back into the game in terms of my rehab and stuff like that on the outside it looked like I was doing everything to get back but yeah there was stuff behind closed doors that, that I probably got back a lot quicker uh, if I wasn't struggling sort of mentally then and were you confused with those feelings massively yeah as you say massively I'd, I'd be sort of early 20s never had any setbacks never really had any massive issues in in the game or in life so when this came along and uh, obviously kept it to myself for up for, for a long long time that those thoughts were going through your head 24 7 and, and some days you you'd be absolutely elated because you felt normal and then other days you would you'd obviously feel the worst so it's yeah it, it was massively confusing and, and a massively difficult time for for everybody uh, obviously for myself and, and obviously as things came out uh, sort of years down the line it obviously was was really difficult on on the family and stuff as well so yeah did did you have a game face did you have a game face for those days that, that you were struggling with yeah uh, I wouldn't really say Bruce to be honest with you because my face doesn't really hide stuff uh, now looking back now and obviously speaking to, to close friends and stuff when actually again the word hindsight it was pretty obvious there was issues there uh, but yeah I wasn't I wasn't too great at, at hiding how I was feeling but again nobody put two and two together and, and got the mental health side of things it's only obviously again further down the line where, where you go and seek help and you actually open up and speak to somebody that you start putting the sort of jigsaw in place and saying obviously that that massively adds up what, what did you need because you see you know social media what it can be great and i social media has given me a lot and and i can take a lot from it but i can also see the challenges with it so people can post things like you know it's okay to talk and you know if there's that teammate that is struggling you know make sure you speak to them what what do you think you would have needed at that point? Can you look back and say, if he'd asked me or if I'd had that moment alone with that person, I, I could have gone for it? No, I, I think there was just such a stigma around mental health back then that, that I didn't want people to know because I didn't want it to hamper where I was going. Uh, there, there was a saying between the sort of coaches especially in the seven circuit that we would have obviously meetings, one-to-one -one meetings with the coaches. And I was always, there was no issues first week. I was fine first week, second week, everything came tumbling down. Now, when I've had conversations with these coaches since then, how did we not notice that? Like how, it wasn't just like one tournament or the next tournament. It was, it was every single time we went away. I was brand new first week and then second week just wasn't coping. Uh, but again, obviously, then, then you go to the injury side of things. I just didn't want it to hamper. I'd, I'd obviously had spent a year and a half or whatever it was out the game. I didn't want to turn around and say to somebody that I was mentally ill or mentally struggling because I thought that was just going to be a tick against my name. So instead of just nipping it in the bud and going speaking to someone and getting it sorted, it rolled and rolled and rolled and just made it a whole load worse than, than what it was in the beginning. I absolutely love your honesty, Hoggy. Uh, this is this is really 
uh, I, I feel really privileged that you're speaking to me about it. What what then do you look back on? Because some of what you've mentioned there is you were involved in professional sport and there are challenges there. What do you look at now and think it's better? I think just the fact that it's out there in the public eye a load, a load more now in terms of the, the, the stigma around mental health. Now, there's a lot of people out there who, not just myself, there, there's a lot that are, are bigger and better than me that, that have came out and said, look, we struggled with this, something needs to be done. And a lot of people, especially within Scottish rugby, there's uh, a lot of people there now to help. Uh, and the stigma, although there is still a massive stigma about it, a lot of people know that they need to speak to someone now. Uh, and, and that is the big thing, that they don't need to keep it into themselves because they're embarrassed by it. They know if, if they're unfortunate enough to go through some circumstances that... There is a pathway uh, for them to go and speak to people. Now, could that pathway be better? I think we could all say everything could be better, but in terms of in Scottish rugby, we, we are definitely going in the right place to make sure that not just like our top professionals, anybody that's playing club second rugby at any club in Scotland, if somebody's going through those issues, there is a lot of people out there who are who have been there and who are looking to help. And I, I'm certainly one of them. As you say, we're opening up about the story and stuff. There'll be, yeah, most weeks I'll, I'll have a conversation with this about somebody. And as I say, if it just helps that one person, then then we're, we're moving in the right direction. Yeah, uh, it, it's good to hear you speaking positively about it. That it's not necessarily reassuring, but it's it's good to hear that you feel things are improving. I got a message for somebody last week just asking if they could if they could have a chat. And I, I again I've said it to you. I feel privileged you're talking to me. I felt really honoured that they kind of chose me to, and we went and had a coffee. Obviously, I had a sausage, bacon, and black pudding roll as well with my coffee. But it was, you know, it, 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 I felt really honoured to to hopefully be part of that. The there's still though there are still a number of people who are not able to hello my name is bruce Aitchison from happiness is egg shaped and i am here to tell you where you can get your happiness is egg shaped merchandise go to www.halbro.com and search for happiness is egg shaped in the stores we've got it all umbrellas snoots hats towels for when you eventually get to go on holiday to the beach or by the pool we've got hoodies we've got t-shirts we've got all sorts going on there check it out get your happiness is egg shaped merchandise you can get it all colored up for your favorite team or for your country get involved because you know i know everybody knows happiness is egg shaped where where can you see that you know, it's, it's good when people do feel open and we can hopefully support them and get them the, the professional help that they need, but there are still people who are hiding it. But if you did an ACL, you would go to the doc and the physio and you get an operation. You get, with their mental health, it should be the same, shouldn't it? Yeah, absolutely. We say, we're obviously going back to, to the seven days, the seven days and the days I was full time that we would have numerous physios, we'd have numerous doctors, but even if I was to come out and say something back then, I'm not sure there would have been the people to deal with that. Now, obviously, these people are in, in place now. And you're, you're exactly right. Now, 
sometimes I feel like a little bit of a fraud to, to turn around and say, you need to open up, you need to speak to people. When I was the one for years and years and years who, who never opened my mouth. Now, the big thing that, that there's obviously you get your your mental health, no cliches, but you get your phrases out there in terms of reach out, you need to reach out. But the big thing that I would say to people is if you see someone who who is struggling or you think is struggling, whether you're right or whether you're wrong, reach in. Reach in to those people and just say, look, you might be completely wrong. Now, I would rather be wrong and get the conversation sort of daft manned it than, than not have that conversation and actually be right. So the sort of the, the stuff that I give out is if there is anybody at all that, that you're having those concerns about, whether it's a friend, a teammate, someone within school, anything, is just reach in and, and ask that question, are you okay? And then ask the question again. There's a big thing in terms of asking twice because you know what we are like, Bruce, we even said it before, how are you doing, what's new? Uh, nothing. Like we've not spoke to each other for for a few months, you ask again, and then people start to open up a bit more. Yeah, and as I say, that that is the big thing is just making sure, just being aware of certain signs. And now everything's out there now in terms of obviously triggers and, and certain things like that. So it's, it's just being able to speak to somebody and not necessarily reach out, but reach into them to to really help them out. I love that, Huggy. I absolutely love that. I love changing rooms. Uh, it's the bit I miss the most. You know, I loved playing the game, but between the whistles, uh, you know, yes, I, I loved that. But the changing room was was a bit of heaven for me. But I can look back now at behaviour, at things people said, you know, things I said, things I did, and I can think there, there might have been somebody who was hearing that and then couldn't be themselves. Do you feel like changing rooms have have changed for the better? Yeah, I think they would, Bruce. I think the way the world is now, obviously, that the world has changed, and, and a lot of stuff like like you're alluding to has been for the better. Now you'll still get your your your, your same individuals in, in a changing room who who want to have a laugh, but I think more people are aware. Uh, in terms of what what we're speaking about here, a lot more people are aware and they're aware of of what they're saying uh, because it may affect someone completely different. Uh, so yeah, they're they're definitely better, and there's still a way to go with with changing rooms in terms of bad and 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 little things like that. But as I say, that there's certain stuff we need to change. There's certain stuff, as I say, that you've alluded to there that that I would never want to change. Uh, in terms of that, but the stuff, obviously, the mental health side of things, you're, you're obviously, your big stuff uh, is certainly going in the right direction, especially in the, I can only speak for the the changing the changing rooms and stuff that I've been in, and, and yeah, they're, they're definitely going in the right direction. You're saying about looking for changes. So there's the physical bit of, you know, a training session, where the ball goes down a lot by the same person or so, you know, that that's probably an easy thing to pick up, but changing rooms where you get to know the person and it can be quite intimate, quite literally intimate, you know, you're, you're seeing people that they're most vulnerable and that's where you develop the relationships where you can maybe see the little bits. Does the professional game lend itself to that? Or do you feel like it's a job people arrive they do their work they go home they have their other interests is there 
I'm, I'm not quite sure what I'm getting at here. That the amateur changing room, you know, you you maybe worked with a guy and then went to rugby and you you had a beer with him. Is the professional environment able to support the messages we're talking about? I would say the big thing, the difference between the professional side of things and obviously the 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 club environment is that there's more time. You're getting more time in that professional environment. You're you're spending again more time with them. Like you're not just getting changed beside them for for 10, 15 minutes before one session. You're maybe getting three, four sessions a day that you're doing that. So the big things in terms of the mental health side of things, if, if you see changes in habits, someone who would maybe sit and have a laugh and, and do stuff is starting to be more of a recluse or just picking up his bag and going that little bit earlier or, or just not being the same. You're, you're a little bit, you're you're getting more time to to see those different traits from that person. So I'd say none of them are easy, Bruce, let's be honest. It, it, it's not easy to pick up that, that, that kind of stuff, but I, I wouldn't say it, it's any worse in the professional game because of having that that little bit added time there for it. Uh, we're, we're not going to stick on this, but there is one thing I, I do want to ask, and it's something that interests me massively. You've mentioned if you get injured, there's physios, there's doctors as well. When you're at school, there's a guidance teacher. When you're at home, there's your, hopefully, you know, parents or parent or guardian or granny or auntie, whatever it is, that's kind of your emotional, mental guide and support and can see those little triggers. Do we need to have more professionals who are right there at the pitch side, in the changing room, in the team meetings, who can be picking up these behaviours? Do we need to have mental health physios, mental health first aiders who are available more often? I think I think we do. Now, maybe not necessarily in every single training session or every single gym session, but I think there needs to be someone with within every club environment who you know is the go-to person if, if you're struggling. Now, that person, as I say, will, will be trained up, uh, stuff that we are doing with, with Make Minds Move is, is we are putting stuff out there to make sure we, we have got mental health sort of first aiders and, and people trained in, in the certain clubs that, that we are working with. So, yeah, just having somebody that's, that's on site and you know exactly who they are does make a massive difference. As I say, do they need to be at absolutely every single thing? I'm not sure we're there yet. Uh, but definitely having someone within every single club environment to me is that's a no-brainer. It is absolutely a no-brainer. Awesome. Come on and talk us through the the MMM. What, what work are you doing? Yeah, so obviously it was 2019 when myself and, and one of the guys, Adam Clayton, who I played with in London, uh, we sort of came up with the idea. Now, I was obviously coming out the back of, of getting a fair bit of help uh, for my mental well-being, and I just gave him a call one day because I wanted to. I wanted to do something to give back. Now, again, this is where where it comes back to. I'd speak to Adam on the phone before that day, every couple of weeks. Definitely message most every week, and then actually one of the conversations when we first started up is that he'd went through a similar episode. Now, as I say that, me not picking up signs. Obviously, he stays in in Worcester, but. We felt like we could do something. what our whole sort of niche where we make minds move is, is to get people out there and get people active uh, and get people speaking about their stuff. Now, 
the speaking bit doesn't come straight away, but if we can get people out of rut by by getting out on their bike or getting out a run and just having that person to speak with, then then obviously that that's us doing our job. So as I say, we're we're not a fully fledged charity as of yet. We're we're still a movement, and and that's what we're working towards. I know we're raising money. Uh, a year past, sort of June, we we done the, the twenty four hours on on a bike in our gardens, which was, yeah, which was pretty difficult <laughs> to say the least. But it wasn't necessarily the twenty four hours on the bike; it was the the sort of the publicity and stuff we got that from some of the professionals uh, from football with Chris Boyd to, to obviously guys at the top of their game like Finn Russell coming on and, and speaking about the the mental health and yeah, uh, how important that is. So. As I say, it was more that with the webinar and little things that we done that, that we raised a fair bit of money for the, the Injured Players Foundation at Murrayfield and from the English side of things, Restart Rugby. So obviously pandemic-wise, it, it slowed everything down. Uh, but I was fortunate enough even just a couple of days ago to, to have a conversation back where it all belonged, uh, begun for me back in the in the clubhouse at, at Mansfield. Uh, speaking in front of the Hoyt boys, so it was good to to get back out there and, and start getting that message back out uh, that there is people there willing to help. Uh, it was it was brilliant. The webinar was great. I remember watching your cycle, your dafty, and then I saw that you'd been speaking at, at Mansfield, which is fantastic. I was given a really good bit of advice for a, a, an older teacher, a more experienced teacher than me, that said, when you're having a chat to a kid, uh, go for a walk so that you're side by side rather than this uh, not confrontation but face to face go for a walk you know and, and talk side by side and then I was talking to somebody else who was on about when you're leaving a game and you've got the parent in the car who's going over it all and whereas actually it can be a really powerful thing because you're sitting by side by side you can't go anywhere else but you didn't have to have direct eye contact and I was thinking back to all those car journeys with my mum and my dad who run me all over for various different sports and the amount of conversations that we had that I think were beneficial for my mental and emotional health, but you were forced to have time together yeah. and times the, the, the crucial element here, isn't it? It's people taking time. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's the, I remember those car journeys well as well. I obviously in the front of my old man, but I had a little hyperactive little brother who'd be jumping about in the back that, that I wouldn't get much time to have the conversation. So not, not much has changed for that, to be fair. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, and, and, and that's the big thing in terms of, again, going back to the, the new role. It's, it's us educating parents as well to have those conversations. It's, we can put this stuff out to the kids as much as we want, but the main one is is obviously getting out to parents how important that time is. Now, we've all have had it probably back in the past where you've missed a tackle or you've done something wrong and you knew about it, uh, but it's being able to, to still have those conversations but just do them obviously more subtly to, to make sure that we're still getting that positive message out there to make sure everybody's in a good place or is in as good a place as they can be. Okay, I, I absolutely love it. What what does the future hold for you then, in terms of your your the movement, possibly becoming a charity, the role you're in back in Hoyk? What, what does the future hold for Graham Hogg? Yeah, the future just now, Bruce. First and foremost, is I know how to live in the moment now, and I know that sounds as cheesy as it does sound, but um, 
content's not the word I would use, but I'm happy with where I am. I know we've got a plan in place for the next sort of three, four years with with this type of role. Uh, I've still got I've still got a massive fire and a massive drive again to, to do something in the game. Now, obviously, that's going to be through coaching in some capacity now. So I'm going to make sure over the next few years that, that I do all I can to to upskill and keep learning as much as I can to to get through that and, and do that. And it's it's just about enjoying life again. Uh, as I say, I'm back. I've got a good family around about me. I've got a, a little five-year-old girl who, who keeps me on my toes and, and, and her smile helps every single day. Uh, so it's yeah, it's just about enjoying this and but keep going to keep going to where I ultimately I've always wanted to be, but obviously in a different capacity nowadays. Uh, but making sure that I don't let that over take over my whole world and, and just being clever about that as well. So yeah, the future's uh future's good just now. Oh, good. I'm delighted to hear that. Well, I've taken up a huge amount of your time. We've gone way over what I said, but I've I've loved chatting to you. It's been absolutely brilliant. I'm looking forward to coming down to Hoyk and catching up with you properly. But let's uh, let's wrap this up, Hoggy. For you, finish off the sentence for me. Happiness is Hoyk shaped. <laughs> Perfect. Absolutely perfect. I've got my, my tubs of Hoyt balls are needing refilled up here. Uh, I'm, I'm needing to get down and get one of the big cartons, I think, to get my Hoyt okay. balls filled up. We'll let you in for a couple of hours to get that done and then you'll be back out. <laughs> Hoggy, absolutely brilliant to see you. All the best. And I can't wait to catch up with you and keep up the good work. It's great to see you. Good, man. Thank you very much, Bruce. Cheers. Cheers, my man. Absolutely love it. Uh, he's come a long, long way, and it's good to hear that he's happy in the moment, but it sounds like there's some big plans for the future. If you've enjoyed it, please have a look at Apple, Spotify, and Acast for the pods. You can watch us on Facebook and on YouTube. If you've enjoyed it, leave us a review, tell your friends, and get involved. Go back and have a look at the back catalogue. There's heaps there, and I'm really excited for the future. We've got some big, big pods coming up. And brilliant to speak to Graham Hogg. Uh, his father is a great man who did me a really good favour and his wee brother's not a bad rugby player either. My name is Bruce Aitchison from the Happinesses podcast and my happiness is egg-shaped. I look forward to seeing you all again very, very soon. But in the meantime, please stay safe. Hello, I'm Mayhem. Hello, I'm Chaos. And our happiness is egg-shaped. Happiness is egg-shaped and loves a circle with no end. Happiness is egg-shaped and loves a circle with no end. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.